If you have your Bibles, you almost don't have to turn here. You ought to be able to quote it, but do it anyway. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. How many of you think you can quote it? All right, let's see. I I see hands. Just read it with me. Try to quote it with me. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Let me repeat that. God divided the light from the darkness. And I want to preach to you on that subject, that God divided light from the darkness. It's, um, it, it, it's kind of a, it's a fun thing to do mentally, but it's very hard to imagine this world and imagine things before creation. What was it like? What was, if you will, what was nothing like? The Bible states that it was void, it was without form, it was very dark. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to quote a whole whole paragraph from a, uh, a guy by the name of Dawson. And, and I like the language this commentator uses to describe what it would have been before Genesis 1-1. He says it this, and I quote, It was formless and lifeless, a huge, shapeless, objectless, tenantless mass of matter. The gaseous and solid elements commingled in, which neither was organized structure nor animated form, not even a distinctly traced outline of any kind. Darkness was on the face of the deep. The deep is a root word that signifies a disturbance. It's frequently applied to the sea and it probably imitates that there was some primordial matter of our globe that existed in some sort of fluid, liquid, or molten form. Dawson distinguishes between the deep and the waters, the making the latter refer to the liquid condition of the globe and the former to the atmospheric waters, that vaporous or aeriform mass that mantled the surface of this almost non-existing planet and it contained the materials out of which the atmosphere afterwards was elaborated. It's kind of an interesting way to look at it. It was chaotic. It was there, but there was no creation. It just existed. This hole was shrouded in thick folds of gloom. It had not the slightest promise of what was about to come. In that chaotic world, there was not even a hope, if you will, of light or order or life that would have about to become transformed. But in that chaotic, formless darkness. There was one hope that if you and I would ever understand this hope, that was on nothing, God was moving. I don't have time to go in this. This is not my message, but it probably could have been and maybe should have been. Can I just tell somebody for just a moment, in the darkest moments of your life when there's nothing happening and there's no form, there's no future, there's no hope, you're just kind of existing and it's there. As long as God is moving, there is hope. As long as God is there, there is something happening. That word moving, another person translates it as brooding. 
It's not just a movement, but it was almost as if God, this unseen, unknowable God, was just kind of hovering. You really couldn't see it, but he was hovering and he was brooding over the chaos. I love that language that the Bible uses. It's that simple language in which all of the possibilities of heaven are released. Simply this, and God said. Do you realize the scope, the depth that that means? That God can go to nothing and speak and life and form and matter come together. In that expanse of darkness and nothingness, God moved. His spirit moved. He looked over that chaotic wasteland and he began to act. And I want to talk to you for a moment about the darkness. Darkness has a quality all its own. Somebody said that darkness is a quiet companion. That darkness is perfectly content to lie there in silence. There's a calm in darkness. Uh, darkness usually denotes no action. How many of you can't sleep unless it's pitch black in your room? That's me. My children decided last night that they had new Lego sets they wanted to build and they built them to 4 o'clock in the morning. And um, they were quiet, but the lights were on. And that light has a way of going around corners and just, just didn't sleep. So if I start yawning in service, blame Zoe and Zane. It's their fault. Darkness, there is no action in darkness. Um, darkness isn't pursuing light. Darkness isn't trying to get lit. Darkness just wants to be present. And darkness doesn't want anything to bother it. And on that darkness, along comes God. And he says, let there be light. Now, I don't know how your mind works. I don't know how your brain comprehends things. But in the way that if I'm reading that, my mind starts playing out, you know, a video. God says, let there be light. And instantly, it's like walking out of a dark house and to the noon summer sun, light shatters, light bursts on the scene, and darkness flees. You know what I'm talking about. You, 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 you've been in something that's dark, you walk outside, and as soon as you open the, light, the door, it's as if your eyeballs explode into mush inside your head. That's what it was. Your eyes feel like someone... Uh, you know, is just, just shining the brightest bulb there. And you're blinded by the radiance of light. You, you could, if I could, and I, I know I'm kind of building on the same illustration, but when that happens, it almost as if that darkness was violated. It's just been an intrusion. No one asked. That's how it was on the day of creation. God stepped into nothing. God stepped into darkness, and he spoke. And when he spoke, light conquered the darkness. Darkness was pushed aside as light came forth. And as we look at that verse closely, I, I'm just kind of building something for a moment so that I can continue on my thought. But as you look at that verse, understand, it did not say light 
existed with darkness. It does not say that light mingled with darkness. It says that God divided the light from the darkness. There was a division that occurred. No joining, no compromise. Simply light overpowered the dark. Wherever there was light, there was no dark. And where there was dark, there was probably no light. See, there is no strength in darkness. I could put you in the darkest room known to man. There is a certain paint now, I was researching, there is a certain paint that that swallows up 99.9% of light. And it's pretty incredible. You go research, just, just type in Google, be careful, but type in Google the darkest paint. And they can paint this, this paint on something and it literally looks like a black hole. It's just amazing. But I could put you in the darkest room. I could have where the darkness was oppressive and I could light one match and there's not enough darkness in the world that can put out that match. As soon, now that match may not illuminate like all these light bulbs do, but you'll be able to see it because light always chases the darkness Away. I remember, and, and it's funny how you, you remember things. My, I've listened to my dad preach all my life, and I, it's been years and years and years ago. I'm talking about back when I was a child. I remember my dad preaching a message, and I don't know what the message was about. I don't know what he was doing, but I remember him saying, wouldn't it be so cool if you could have not a spotlight but a shadow light? That, you know, like a spotlight works and it shines a beam. Wouldn't it be cool if you could cast a shadow, you know, around something? But it's just, it's impossible. It's light always prevails. The key here is that light divides the darkness. It does not join the darkness. And, uh, in fact, would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. And let me read you, uh, as we get, get past just creation, let me read you. Uh, this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath life and darkness? There must be a division of light and dark. We understand the, the, the created light. We know that God created a sun. God created stars. God created a moon. And although the moon doesn't have any light of its own giving, it reflects what the sun does. And we see that in the phases of the moon. But allow me to take you past creation. I'll take you to John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made, and in Him was life, and that life was the light of man. Remember that, the light of men. And that light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. This John, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. This was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 
He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, They're not which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Not only did God speak that light, not only did God at the beginning of creation say let there be light and there was light and he made lesser lights and bigger lights and greater lights. Not only did he do that, but God's very nature is light. And John comes around, this, this, this prophet John, uh, John the Baptist, he comes around and he's starting to tell people there is coming a light. There is coming one that's going to be able to illuminate the darkness of this world. There's one that's coming that's able to illuminate our lives. And they didn't believe him. They, they weren't comprehending it. Why? Because the world was a dark place. But on this comes God made flesh dwelt among us. Tom Bernard writes a, a, a uh, or Barnard, he, he writes a, I guess a blog or a devotional that I get every once in a while. And he, he quoted from, from John 8, 12 that we'll probably quote later. He said, I, Jesus said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Jesus said, whoever follows me will have that light. There's a word in, in, in the making of glass that's called iridescence. Iridescence is happens when uh, blown glass, it's hot. And, and, and somehow, depending on what chemicals you spray on that hot glass, it causes a, a reaction and that's what makes glass have that iridescence, that shine and you look at it in one way, it's one color. Look at it a different, the other color. But Stanley Jones in, in uh, his thing called The Way, his book called The Way, he quoted, he said this, Some people have just enough religion to cause irritation, but not enough religion to cause an iridescence. There ought to be something when this world looks at you and I that shows them the light of this world. Jesus said himself, we read it just a minute ago, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John wrote this, John said, in him was life and the light gave light to everyone. The light shone through the darkness and the darkness could not extinguish it. The simple way to understand that is Jesus shone. And that light that Jesus brought, and I'm going to explain kind of what it does, that light that Jesus brought into the world, uh, it's available to anyone that wants it. There was a lot of people, including the devil in Jesus' day, that wanted to extinguish that light. Several times they tried to kill him. Several times they tried to block him out. They tried to deny that it existed. They couldn't prove their point. They debated it. They tried to substitute other things for it. But their efforts were futile. Anything they did, Jesus shone all the more. Because darkness can't overpower light. See, that light illuminates the darkness. It's interesting how... Um, you know, if, if, you've, if you've ever lost something behind the couch, underneath the couch, what do you do? You go get a flashlight. Now, here's the problem when you do that. 
if I'm, I'm going to do this the next time I come to your house. So I'm going to grab my flashlight and I'm going to start looking under your couch. Because most of us don't ever look under our couch because it's dark. But when you get a flashlight, you start seeing a lot of dust bunnies. You start seeing things you hadn't really thought about. Because light illuminates things. You ever turned on a light in your, in your garage or maybe in an old shed you haven't been to and you turn on that light and the roaches scatter? Some of y'all have nightmares. <laughs> it's that light that scatters. The light is there. My, I told you I was going to tell you a story about my grandfather. My, my grandfather worked there in the, in the uh, oil refinery. There's down in Louisiana, especially there, Lake Charles, De Quincey. There's just refineries everywhere you look. Um, the, the city that's directly south of De Quincey is called Sulphur. The reason they call it sulfur is because that's what they manufactured, and it smells like sulfur. It's nasty. I, no one understands why I love that place so much, but I do. But Grandpa was there. Papa was there, and, and, and he was working with old rough and tough. This is the 1960s, and I don't think OSHA had quite been invented yet because my Papa, uh, he would weld. He, he, he would weld, and they would put boards on top of pipes, and he would weld, and the boards would catch on fire And so, because those pipes, that refinery so hot. So he'd get off, and they'd pour water on the boards, put them back up there. He'd stand back up, and pretty soon he'd catch on fire again. But it was a rough place. It was there was no political correctness. There was nothing like that. One day, uh, maybe several times, there was uh, uh, you know probably some pornographic material that was being passed around through the men, and you know they were doing uh, what dirty old men do and hoop and holler and, and just kind of cavort, and, and they were showing that or trying to show that to my papa. Now he was saved then. My papa saw it. He didn't get mad. He didn't say take it away, he didn't rip it up. This is what he said, and this was quoted at the funeral. One of the men that worked with my grandfather, he was 70 years old, came to the funeral and told us this story. I, I don't, as far as I know, we had never heard this story. But said, all Papa said, when that guy came by with that dirty picture, my grandpa said, oh, is that a picture of your daughter? <laughs> they put it in their pocket and backed off, what was happening was light was piercing the darkness. Light was illuminating the darkness. See, I, I'm trying to get somewhere, and I, I hope you're, you're catching where I'm at. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, a very common scripture, I use it often, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now we know that and we quote that, but watch the next verse. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Here's the thing. There cannot be a mixing of light and dark. From the very beginning of time, God made it clear that he divided the light from the dark. You can't serve two masters. You are either going to have a life that is lighted or you are going to have a life that is dark. I would like to propose to you, and it's something that the older I get and the more I walk with God, the more I realize how important this is, and I will tell you I struggle with it and I understand it. You will not be, that. there are no levels of, of brightness in Christianity. You are either light or darkness. There's no half. 
When it says, if thine eye be single, then it is light. If thy eye be evil, what that means is, what you watch, what you look at, what you pull into your life is going to determine whether you are light or darkness. You cannot say of your life, well, I'm half lit. There are no 100 watt Christians, 60 watt Christians, and 20 watt Christians. You are either lit or you're not. You're either light or you're darkness. There's no mixing. We'll get more of that in just a moment. Um, and so if, if, you, if you allow yourself to follow the things of God, then light is present. But if you don't let that light in, or if you overpower it with the things of this world, the Bible says then you're in a dark, dark place. Let me tell you it again. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you feed your life through this entertainment. And I'm not against entertainment. I like having a good time and having fun. But the more I see it, the more I realize how careful we have to be that the darkness doesn't overpower the light. There cannot be a mixing. You are either holy or you're not. John chapter 3 verse 16, again another familiar portion of scripture. What I'm trying to do tonight is is start with the familiar and then show you what happens directly after that. Because most of us have a tendency to stop after those, those verses we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to contemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Please pay attention to this. This is John chapter 3 verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. And he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Okay. So we've just seen that. If you believe on Jesus then you're not condemned. If you don't believe on Jesus then you're already condemned. But this is the condemnation. So now, John, who the, 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 the disciple John, he, John the Revelator, he is, he is explaining what that condemnation is. And this, verse 19, and this is the condemnation. This is what ought to be, uh, this is the conviction. And I don't mean conviction in a spiritual sense. I mean uh, standing before a judge and the judge hit the gavel and say, you're convicted of this. This is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world But men love the darkness rather than the light, and their deeds were evil. And everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest that are wrought in God. Why do we say that this world is a dark place? Why do we say that men love darkness more than light? Because light illuminates, because light exposes, because light shows us the problem. You ever clean something and it was kind of dark, maybe you didn't turn all the lights on, and then all of a sudden you flip on all the lights and you see everything you missed? Light illuminates. Light illuminates. Jesus spoke, and, and, and we quoted part of this, spoke in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Why? Because light should be divided from darkness. 
Um, let, me, let me read to you John chapter 9 and verse 3. Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but simply that the work of God should be manifest in him. This is when God healed uh, one, and they were all... You know, flipping out. Why was he? You know, why was he this way? Is it because his parents sinned? That's why he was afflicted. Jesus said, "I must do the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." I would extrapolate without changing the, the the gospel at all to tell you that this also means as long as God is in you, as long as the Holy Spirit is in you, then the light is in you as well. See, Jesus, he goes on. You, I don't know if you've caught on, but I'm reading a lot in John because John, uh, his gospel, the way he wrote is different. You have, you have the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and those are synoptic Gospels, and they, they do a little bit more. They're more of trying to tell the story in a linear uh, historical format. But John comes along, and sometimes you'll see that, that the miracles in John don't follow the miracles uh, uh, you know, in, in, in where they show up chronologically because John was not so much concerned about the, the, the historical chronological order John was trying to prove a point. And so John would have different themes in his Bible, I mean, I mean, in his gospel. And one of the themes that John used over and over and over was Jesus is the light of the world. And he would use this. He says in John chapter 11, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there's no light in him. Can I, again, try and, I, I realize it's almost just giving you sound bites, but can I just tell you that if you're struggling with your walk with God, if you're stumbling walking with God and, and you're up and you're down and you can't seem to make it, it might be because you were walking in darkness and you haven't separated the light from the darkness. It could be that you have allowed this world to overpower what God's trying to do in your life. And so because of that, you are blinded by this unholy world. And so you're stumbling around because the light is not there. Because God said, I will separate the light from the darkness. Now some of that is, is in a sense of pushing them aside. But I also would like to think of it a little bit like a magnet that, that they don't mix. God, God is not interested in compromise. God is not interested in mixing. And so if you're gonna just if you're gonna just be content to live in this world and do the things of this world and allow that darkness to creep in, in a sense, that repels God. The Bible says. Be holy for I am holy. God is holy. His character is holy. His character is wholesome. His character is pure. Everything about God is light. And light doesn't mix with darkness. And if you continue to walk in the darkness, you're going to have a hard time getting the light. But the, 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 the reverse is true. If you walk in the light, darkness is going to have a hard time creeping in. That's why it's easy for you to live for God in church. 
I doubt there's very much sinning going on in the hours of Sunday from 10 to 11.30 and Sunday from 6 to 7.30 and Wednesday from 7.30 to about 8.30 and then if you're really good, you probably aren't sinning Tuesday night from about 7.30 to about 8.15. Because you are in the light. But what you do when you walk out these doors will determine whether the light shines. He said, I'm going to divide the light from the darkness. Uh, John, John chapter, uh, John chapter, or, or rather first John chapter 1 and verse 5, and this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is darkness is, sorry, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, there's a lot of people in this world that says can't judge, can't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Actually, there's more Bible verses that says we can judge than it does that says don't judge. The only verse that says don't judge says be careful when you judge, lest they judge you by the same measure you judge them. Simple, okay. This verse says absolutely judge. If you say you have fellowship with him, let me just put it plainly. If you say you're a Christian, but you walk in the darkness... You're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Let me read it in the King James so you know it's not just Brandon saying it. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So when someone says, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I live for him, yeah, I've got the Holy Ghost, but everything about your life is darkness and evilness and everything of this world, something doesn't mix. Something doesn't make sense. You know why? God established it in Genesis chapter 1. He divided the light from the darkness. And so he says, but if you walk in the light, then you won't be in the darkness. First Peter reminds us that we're a chosen generation, that royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him. Here it is. That called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Charles Spurgeon, one of the most incredible uh, just pulpiteers, if I can use that. And he 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 wrote, or someone wrote every sermon he ever preached, and, and they have it. And 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 so he has been just this treasure trove of of, of sermon and and understanding. But he he has a like a daily devotion that you can get, and I have it on my computer, and I can see it even, he even went so far, he was an overachiever. He has an AM devotion and a PM devotion, so you can get two different thoughts, if you will. And I have preached many of those when I have read them, and it, it, it pushes. This is what he said. A believer has two principles at work in him. In his natural estate, he was subject to one principle only, which is darkness. But now light has entered and those two principles disagree. 
you, you can see the Apostle Paul's words in the 7th chapter of Romans. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And when I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And it brings me back into captivity to the law of sin. Why is this, Spurgeon asks. And then he says it's because the Lord divided the light from the darkness. And again, I, I, you, you heard me use this terminology at the very beginning. And I, I got it from Spurgeon. I knew I was coming back to it. That darkness by itself is quiet and undisturbed. But when the Lord sends light, there is conflict. Those are in total opposition to one another. And that conflict is never going to cease until one of them wins out. For those of you that came to the Lord later in life, maybe as an older teen or a young adult or maybe even an adult, it's amazing how you can live in sin and never really have that inner turmoil. But let the Holy Ghost get a hold of your life and then all of a sudden your life falls apart. And there's fighting and it's warring because it was perfectly content for you to be in darkness. It didn't even have to say anything. You were just there in your sin and trespasses. But the moment God lights up your life, that darkness rises up and begins to fight with everything that he has. But the blessing is, is that the Lord, as soon as the Lord gives you the light, he begins to separate you from the darkness around you. And, and, and Spurgeon said he succeed, he, he secedes it from merely worldly religion of outward ceremonial. And instead, nothing short of the gospel of Christ can satisfy us. How a man would withdraw himself from worldly society and frivolous amusements and seek the company of the saints. Why? Because light gathers light unto itself. How many times have you watched somebody, God begins to deal with them, or maybe it's their conscience, I don't know. And they begin to, to, to go from church to church to read this book and read this because they're searching the darkness. They're tired of living in that darkness, and they're searching, and nothing satisfies it save the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then once that gospel is preached and once that person has responded repentance and baptism in Jesus name for the remission of sins and the infilling of the spirit once that has been and the light shines all of a sudden you start watching people you don't even have to preach it from the pulpit you just watch it people start leaving the darkness some of the friends they had that constantly kept them in the darkness they start slowly separating themselves from amusements and things of this world, the trappings of this world that, that, that we used to find so fun now no longer satisfy because God divides the light from the darkness. It goes on to say, again, let me, let me take you back to creation, that world, that desolate place full of darkness and nothingness until God spoke life into it. And now I take it away from creation and I bring it to you. And I invite you to stand. If I could, I'd fast forward through creation and 
through the word of God unto your life. All of us here. We were a life that existed in a darkness, in nothingness, until the word. John chapter 1. Until that word spoke into your life. And darkness was lifted and nothing became everything. That life that you were content to live in sin and you didn't know any better, you didn't think about it anything, it just was there. Now all of a sudden that darkness is shattered by the power of God. You lift up your hands and His begins to fill you with the Spirit. Darkness flees and new life begins. And not only does it free you from that sin, but if you'll let it, it'll start separating the inward darkness away. That holiness that we use a lot and sometimes it's, it's, we, we try to explain it. And there's a, I could tell you things that, that matter with holiness. I could tell you things that we should do that would that would would be an outward sign of a of a a holy life lived to God the way you dress the way you talk what you watch but it all starts with that internal holiness God has to get inside your life and separate the light from the darkness so I will tell you today that the Bible teaches that men are lovers of darkness meaning that in our natural estate we are drawn to sin in our natural estate we're drawn to the unholy we don't have to practice sinning it comes so easily until his spirit steps in when his spirit steps in then I'm drawn to his power I'm drawn to his holiness I'm drawn to his godliness I'm drawn to his majesty I'm drawn to the things of God And so I tell you today, shine. Be that light. Be, as I said earlier, the moon doesn't have light of its own. But I've walked outside and lately it seems like whenever we have a full moon, I've done it before. I sat out one of these, these past times, we had one of those super moons they talk about. I went outside and I was able to read a book in my backyard with just the light of the moon. It was that bright. There's no light on that moon. It's the reflection of the sun. I would tell you today that the light in which you ought to shine is not your own. It's nothing that you could do. The Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags, but shine through the world, the shine for all the world to see. Be that candle set on a hill. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city, a lighthouse, if you will, set on a hill. He said, Don't light your candle and hide it. But let your light so shine before all men that they should see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Because the light of God ought to be in you. You say, you know, don't, that old song, this is a light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, don't don't let Satan blow it out or don't hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That doesn't just mean witnessing. That doesn't mean if you don't witness, you're, you're not letting your light shine. I would tell you that one of, the, one of the, the, the quickest ways for your light not to shine is let the darkness of this world creep back into your life. Let the darkness of, of unholiness and unwholesomeness, let it creep in your life and it repels the light. Jesus says, I'm not going to be 
where unholy, unwholesome things are. It's against my nature. I can't be around it. And when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have the ability to shun that darkness. You have the ability to, to cast that darkness aside. Say, I'm going to walk in the light, and I'm going to let my light so shine before men. I want us just to take a moment here. I want you just to, to in your own way, in your own abilities, you can examine your life. and You're, you're able to see what, what, what is the status of the light in your life. What's unholy? What's unwholesome there? Are you walking in His light? Would you just let God speak to you? I've preached and His word has come, but let Him speak to you now.